One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Havant Sidge, which look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. And another stacked show, Sidge, with some surreal matchups, some title matchups, and just some bloody hard-hitting matchups as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. On one side of the scale, there's stuff that I'm heavily, heavily hyped for, can't wait for, that I think and I hopefully know it's going to be amazing. There's stuff I don't give a single toss about. If I missed it, I wouldn't care. When I actually go through the experience of watching it, I know it'll be fabulous, even though I don't give a toss about any of the characters involved. So I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I expect it to be very, very, very good indeed. It's the new way, isn't it? Stacking these dynamites. It's like Excalibur's life isn't going to get any easier the way that they seem to be like filling them these days. I've got mixed emotions on how they come across as episodes, but they're extremely fun to preview and speculate on because... It's kind of Cedric's alluded to. Even the stuff that maybe doesn't rock your world. There's like some promise buried underneath it. Mm. There's one very specific example I'm thinking of on this card. And typically, one of the I've noticed a trend in one of the talking points the next day being something that not necessarily wasn't previewed, but wasn't hyped or mm. overhyped. I am so, so excited about literally any interaction between Hangman Page and CM Punk. Mm. And we're, we're just over a month away from the pape. I have already convinced myself that it's the greatest AW title match ever in terms of unpredictability, how much money it's going to draw, and the prospective quality of the match. The fact that a pasty bet in the office has been refused because no one actually knows who they're going to back or who they think is going to win. The buzz around that pay-per-view that weekend is going to be incredible. And this is going to be the first week that they're probably even going to touch... If you don't count last week, obviously, this is going to be the first week that they're going to touch it as an actual rivalry. And there's nothing outwardly promoted yet. It just feels like something that can slip in amongst all this other stuff. It's a cool show to get excited about, even when some of the individual components are maybe, like, Dungeon of Doom, not hot. Yeah, well, there's a few things we'll, we'll talk about in due course that, have say, like you say, haven't been, you know, maybe you say Punk and, and Hangman and stuff like that, haven't been pushed to the forefront. One thing that has though, uh, is this TNT title ladder match. Uh, very, very, very high expectations, understandably, because of that one that Sammy Guevara was involved in. Uh, he faces Scorpio Sky. Um, there was talk, obviously, last week and setting up the, the mixed tag match uh, involving Paige Van Zandt, which I'm very much looking forward to as well. Um, but it's 
such a strange one, this as well, because it, I just caught up on last week. And, you know, in, in the cold light of day, I know they've sort of acknowledged it now, but that promo with Sammy Guevara, where he's just like, ah, bollocks to you if you don't like me anymore. And, you know, they're, they're sort of poking the bear with their shows of affection, as they often do. It's a, it's a weird, like, who's the baby face in this match, basically? There's so much to hate about all of this. Like, I can list the reasons, and I'm about to do so right now. I hate the fact that it's the second singles ladder match in the first quarter of a year. That's such a WWE thing. Yeah. They waited three years to do one singles ladder match, and now that's the thing that Guevara's good at, so let's do it. No, let's do it when it means something. Let's do it when it feels like a special attraction again. Let's measure these things out deliberately and carefully to ensure the maximum like premium value, special feeling, whatever. I hate the fact that I don't like either act in their current role, which is hard to define anyway right now. I do not give a toss who wins. In fact, I hope somehow it's made, and think of how much I must hate all of this to say this, I hope it's somehow made into a three-way where somebody else can win that friggin' title because <laughs> this entire title picture is completely rubbish. Just I, to build to that, it's another TNT title rematch. Yeah. AEW don't mess around with rematches. Mm. T- I know there's another one on this show, but series is, is they do, but rematches like this, transparent rematches, they don't normally do it's, that too it's heavy. weird. Between Sammy, Cody, and Scorpio Sky, it's just been in the circular rematch-heavy loop that sort of loops around in its own circle. Meanwhile, there are at least 20, at least 20 other wrestlers who I think would do nothing short of an incredible job with that title that are otherwise wrapped up in stable warfare or tag team feuds or whatever. Well, that sort of justifies my my pick for this. Because like you say, in a weird way, they've baby-faced Scorpio Sky through the interactions with, with, uh, with Sammy Guevara. But I'm back in Sammy. I want Sammy to win. But it's because I'm a sadist that I want him to win. And, you know, this is, this is I get it, this is more of a, like you say, you've mentioned this on in previous weeks, the fact that they they have to know. We're very happy for yeah. them, but I, it feels like they've become more and more aware of the, the fact that, congratulations, you're living this wonderful life, but people aren't happy about it. And he sort of acknowledged it last week in the fact saying, oh, everyone's jealous of me because my girlfriend's hotter than your missus, basically. So I want Sammy Guevara to win, carry it, Open challenge at double or nothing. Miro comes back and destroys him. I'd love to see that. Um, just to complete my point, as much as I hate virtually every single component of it, the rematch, the gimmick excess, the, the miscast wrestlers, it's, it's going to be an incredible stunt show. Oh, absolutely. I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that it's going to be an incredible stunt show. I think Scorpio Sky is going to be incredibly up for this. Sam Gavar is just a master at plunder and exhilaration. Um, so it's going to be great. I'm just going to not be bothered about it whatsoever throughout the course of the day. Uh, one more thing. And I've said this a million times on podcasts, but it's bear, it bears repeating. In hindsight, I kind of feel bad for oh, Sammy Guevara's on bloody Twitter again. He can do what he wants. He's playing a fictional character on yeah, television, yeah, yeah. and he's using his Twitter. I feel bad for thinking less of him um, because he's just a young kid who's living his life, and I know it's not a babyface thing, but he's not on a work. He's, he's on his own Twitter. It's the second I started getting involved in AEW television that I wish that was the the inciting point for all of this. But we are where we are. He's better as a heel anyway. It's what the hell does yeah. it matter. And uh, I don't think he cares about the reaction he's getting because he's knob and take on T. <laughs> it's not a massively AEW-style finish, although increasingly it is, actually. But it's I hope not, Sammy wins. It's not something I typically associate with AEW. But I really something I really liked about all of this, and it might just be because it's involving anybody else but Sammy and the Men of the Year, was I loved the little detail with... Uh, 
Kaz last week and the idea that like you can just Scorpio Sky's turned heel. Kaz is a baby face, but they are friends. And I well, I always appreciate when AW just treat wrestlers as people and that you can have mates and you can have allies and stuff. And I could see a route to Scorpio Sky winning through the threat of Ethan Page and Dan Lambert being dealt with and that being spun off for the for mixed tag purposes. You mm-hmm. know, there's all sorts of run-ins and all this kind of stuff. And then Sammy overlooking the fact that Kaz has a vested interest in Scorpio Sky winning and Kaz being the difference maker mm-hmm. and Scorpio Sky retaining. It's a bit of an ugly look that you've, after, like, to a degree, protecting the prestige of this belt, then you've got Scorpio Sky as a two-time champion already. Sammy is a three-time champion already. It's already feeling incredibly secondary, tertiary even, below, like, Jade Cargill in the TBS title, a long way down the pecking order of belts. So it's maybe not ideal, but I just liked that detail. I like the idea that Kaz suddenly has an investment in his mate. Mm. And, in, and not just because they're friends, because he knows he'd get a title match. And if you are going to, if Scorpio Sky is going to come out of any of this as a baby face, it would be by honouring the challenge to his friend. Too. Mm. So I, that's that's made it ever slightly unpredictable and given me a thing to invest in. But the thing I'm investing in is the thing that is the one thing that hasn't been promised, which is that Kaz might get involved. Every aspect of this that has been shown to me, I don't really care about. So I, I, even the bumps, even the bumps, I know that this is a whinging old miser take on Twitter, but I'm prepared to be the whinging old miser. I am really sick of big bump and plunder stuff. Really sick of it. The Hangman Page, Adam, we've not all really sat together and talked about this. That match really bored me. I wasn't <laughs> like, a fan of it. It, it was both. It was both the NXT stuff that even I eventually tired of, and I was pretty patient for that. I don't think it was a very good version of it. No, and it was a pretty bland weapons match as well. So I've got concerns that this. The, the Cody match will hang heavy in the titty of this one, <laughs> and it might. And especially if there's other stuff, as we're going to get to on this card, that is going to rely on that sort of shock yes. stuff. Could struggle. Well, let's talk about it now. Philly Street Fight, Serena D versus Hikaru Shida. Uh, storied history between these two. And the stage is sort of set for a final victory for Hikaru Shida. And I feel bad, and I feel like maybe I'm not the only one in this room, sat here going, I really want Serena Deeb to win this. Well, yeah, it sort of fits booking more than it fits the feud, doesn't it? Because typically, AEW would rely on the lights out thing to get away with letting the babyface win. But I think they've sort of exposed that one with the Adam Cole Orange Cassidy. They need to step back from that for a little while. Otherwise, yeah. and again, like lights out, just sort of foreshadow the result as well. Um, the Again, I'm forecasting a problem when there might not be one, and this might be perfect. My only issue with this is the I kind of want it to go everywhere in this dynamite where I'm sure it won't, which is either in the opener or the main event. I'm not saying it's going to go in the death spot. I think they might go top of the hour-ish, yeah. something like that, maybe second. Um, but I would love it to either open and get that hot crowd or be the main event. And it's fake prestige, really, but them treat it as this headline attraction. And then Dynamite goes off the air with one of these women being toasted as the next logical number one contender to a champion. I say all that because I've got zero doubt about the quality. I think the work's going to be excellent. It almost always has been between these two. I think the involvement of weapons will be fun because when we've seen it in the afters of the matches, it's been great. Serena Deep is awesome and nasty swinging a weapon. Hikaru Shida is really underrated. Her plunder stuff was excellent when she was Women's Champion. So I have absolutely no doubt with the quality. It is always, and it always is now, about how that crowd receives these women because they've been trained not to care. It's about where it sits on the Dynamite card. And I hope they're not let down by either of those things because... They will work for all of it. I'll go with Deeb because I think you're right. I think everybody's starting to feel Deeb as the natural pay-per-view challenger to Thunder Rosa. I think it'll go Sheeta. Just the type of story this is 
the injury angle, how long it's gone. It just feels like it's all set up for the babyface win. I know that doesn't really correspond with who the champion is, now important this match is in its own sort of she story. She'd be a good pay-per-view opponent for Jade. A proper yeah. test. A proper yeah. test. Yeah. I'd really like that. I'd really like that. Um, but yeah, I just think it's got babyface win written all over it. And as it should, it's that kind of story. And th- it's their job to worry about the booking concerns. We can preview it. We can forecast it, whatever. But feels like the story and the beats are set up for the babyface to win. I think the match should be tremendous. I really hope... Um, the Philly, it's, I like the regionalized quality to Dynamite. And this is very much, we're having Dynamite in Philadelphia because that's where it is. So you're going to get two weapons-based matches. It's just a nice little sort of touch of pro wrestling history. And there's only two, and they're different. One will be more, hopefully, gnarly and nasty as in tone, as Hamfield points out. The other one will be more stunt-based. Um, so I've got no doubts about the quality of the match. But again, if I somehow missed it, and I was a fan, and I wasn't a critic or a content producer. I'd be like, ah, oh, I was busy that night. I'll catch up on Dynamite. I just, this wouldn't be the first thing I'd have to do in my spare time. Mm. And the reason is, this match, and the purpose behind it, and the storyline driving it, just ruthlessly exposes a pretty rank, at its worst, AEW problem. Everything has to be a saga. Virtually everything has to be a saga. And in some ways, I love that. Uh, someone racks up wins... Um, Wardlow racking up wins and MGF kind of go, oh, hang on, I'm not entirely sure about this. He's sort of going to break free from the chains and all the rest of it, and then he did, and now he's literally back in them. Certain storylines absolutely deserve this epic length and heft. Tony Khan applies this philosophy elsewhere, not only when the interest isn't as high in Sheeda Deeb as it is MGF Wardlow. Didn't they fight at Winter is Coming? Yeah. Even Sheeda, that was one of their matches. That's the it? thing. My so word. not only do the level of stars and wrestlers warrant because the whole idea is long, 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 long term is meant to sort of build loads and loads and loads and loads of investment. That doesn't happen all the time. You can only invest so much in so much. And it just doesn't make sense within the, the, the beats of the story. Shikara Shida was badly injured by Serena Deeb. She came back healthy, out for revenge. Six weeks later, they have a match. Like, <laughs> what is she? She'd have been doing this the entire time. Yeah. She should be not assaulting D backstage. Like, think of it from a character perspective. She should be, like, sort of rampaging around backstage. Like, I want that prick who's just broken my knee apart and threatened my career. I shouldn't have to wait six weeks. And not only do you lose steam, lose momentum, but you lose all sense of character and motive. Yeah. And it just feels like tighten this up. Like, if these are real people in a real sports league... That has the grudge element, obviously. This match should have happened. This mm. match absolutely should have happened. There's no reason why these two fierce rivals weren't at each other's throats that week at work. What were they doing? Just passing each other by in the hall. Like it's the work and the logic I'd... they put into Hangman Page being off for like that six week spell was sublime. Yeah. Isn't it? Like yeah. what like we all knew why he was away, but what we were able to think about in Canon was perfect for the Kenny Omega rivalry. This nowhere we remotely s- approaches it, does it? We were scared that they weren't going to do it. The thing they've been building for two and a half years. Yeah. That's how much we felt for this story. We was still doing it. No one cares about this. And I just hope that silly weapon noises on top of a great match will get a crowd who have been absolutely conditioned and not caring about women's wrestling in this promotion will care about it because there's the weapons go bang. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going for Sheeta. Sheeta to win. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. 
until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, you sort of alluded to it there um, in terms of looking ahead to future pay-per-views. Well, Double or Nothing goes down, I think, 29th of May, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Um, and one of the matches we are speculating or we've talked about in the office that could well go down there is a strap match between Jericho and Kingston. Uh, do you think that gets set up tonight? Yeah, I think that's... If it's not set up, there'll be a further allusion to it. Uh, the way I can see it going is that Jericho wins a strap match and then Kingston, Santana and Ortiz plus two others. There's a time and place that conversation. I don't think it's now just yet. Blood and Guts. Yeah. Does Tony Khan, I think, has even been asked about when the next Blood and Guts match is happening. And he's, I think he said summer and it makes sense to do it with these because this is the most prominent actual full-on stable war. In AEW at present, they're clearly waiting to introduce the next two because the heels keep getting that advantage. Uh, there's a Chris Jericho promo segment advertised for tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know how it goes. I, th- I'm, I, sh- I kind of wish I was more into this. All the ingredients are in place. Eddie Kingston defending the honor of professional wrestling. Eddie Kingston doing literally anything on television. <laughs> Chris Jericho doing this incredible inspired bit, the sports entertainment stuff. Like, have you seen the Sting for over six weeks? Yeah. Like, instead of the fifty years, like all of it's great, but it's not the most essential thing. To the point where I'm not geekily obsessing over the next details and what happens next. Like, I really like it when it's mm. on my screen most of the time, but I'm not so into it. I think it needs a few killer promos. But again, if you look at the timing, if you look at the calendar, how far away if we are from Double or Nothing. They have my absolute kind of unbreakable trust at this point that the three weeks before the pay-per-view will be great. We're just in that bit where it's not quite great yet. And that's fine because I'd rather it was great when it counts. Mm. I would quite like, I think this needs an AEW. We're brilliant at this, so it's not a worry if they ever want to, whenever they want to pull this trigger. I still think despite the beatdowns, um, all the on-site stuff's really funny. Um, you know, like... The Jericho Appreciation Society in general is funny. There's so much comedy to it that I think that does sort of take away from the tension and maybe it would be some tension that would help. Because I feel that. I feel that similar kind of, this is a this is a mid-card concern and because I feel that, I'm not caring as much as I should. Big, big heat, especially if you've got a strap. Eddie Kingston getting whipped 
strap with a strap in front of Proud and Powerful, cuffed to the ropes because of this numbers advantage that we keep going back to. Um, you know, find look at the details and make sure that, for example, you've already seen that Moxley has been busy with BCC business earlier in the night, and he would come out and help. But he can't. And so you just you've covered that Eddie Kingston. It's a bit of a plot hole as well. A little bit, but like Eddie Kingston has got friends and mm, they yeah. can't help him for whatever reason. You know, let's say that we've already seen them beaten down. Us like in general, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. plot hole. But like he's just there in the ring and like screaming mm. out of help. His mates can't help, but they are made to watch. And Jericho every now and then swings a strap at them too. You know, like Santana Ortiz, you were once my guys, and now you're not. Look at you, you're nothing. You're just on your knees to me like you were this whole time, and you're still going to get nowhere. He 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 he. Eddie Kingston. The kind of the lowest he's been because all of the defeats that he might have absorbed in AEW don't mean anything to him because he will always keep fighting, but just being reduced to nothing in front of the two people that typically have his back and he has theirs. Maybe that helps the Jericho Appreciation Society somewhat, or that certainly helps the match that you're going to have with Kingston to set up Blood and Guts because the problem with all of this being really, really fun is that then Blood and Guts feels like it's happening for Blood and Guts' sake. And for all that the pinnacle was kind of like flawed from early on, when it was booked, it felt right. Mm. It was a lot that of the stuff. first gang warfare angle when there was the wooden chair leg and Dax Howard's head, yeah, pissing blood. That that they were like throwing each other into like the the ice bath, and it was just carnage. That one angle's like right, do blood and guts for this, obviously. Yeah. If you if you stay so far in a comedy, then the stipulation will feel like it's existing. Like when WWE, it's, it's May or October, so doing a hell in a cell. It's blood and guts because Tony Khan has said summer, so we're going to get the cage mm-hmm. match because things are like you want it to feel earned as well. Uh, let's talk Lance Archer versus Wardlow. Two hosses going at it. Fantastic, this. Um, as usual, <laughs> like it's, it's predictable. It's a Lance Archer match. When it counts, he's going to lose. But it's going to be awesome. It's, the, it's yet another way to do the same thing, but ever slightly different. They were experimenting with how you do the same. Wardlow arrives in the building, and then you just ever slightly change it. Now they're doing Wardlow has a match, and you ever slightly change it. The Butcher was sort of ideal as a first hurdle because he's only ever built up as a heavy and he was there for the taking. Archer is a typical evergreen world title contender when he wins a few matches. His squashes are absolutely captivating in much the same way Wardlow's are. So they'll present this as a like a 10-year age gap mirror match. You know, like Lance Archer is absolutely like got all the experience that outdoes Wardlow. So Wardlow might have youth on his side, but Archer's been in battles like this before and he's won them. So I expect this to be a better version of the Butcher match. I expect it to thus have a little bit more heat than the Butcher match, which I thought was pretty fun. And the angle continues henceforth. No more complicated than it needs to be. Wardlow hitting a powerbomb on Archer for the win or hitting a few is really impressive. And that's kind of all it needs to be. Again, there's, there will come a point where MJF needs to get him and get him good. But I'm not sure it's yet. They've shown a lot of patience for things just being over. You know, yes, you need to follow all the beats of the story. They're going to wrestle on the pay-per-view. You do need to do all those bits. But, like, why mess with anything when it's working so well? Yeah, the butcher match was fun. I really want this to be more fun. It's absolutely incredible, is this Wardlow arc has been since pretty much day one, but particularly throughout 2020, it's uh, 2022. It's been one of the key objectives, and they've absolutely smashed it. If there's one flaw, and you want it to be flawless... God damn it, people sacrifice time to a two-hour and another hour-long television show. You want it to be the best it could possibly mm-hmm. be. There's so much competition for your time and your attention. If there's one kind of flaw, it's that it's a bit WWE crowdy when he gets in the ring. They're not with him every step of the way. They're like the power bombs. Mm. I'll get him with the RKO good at the end, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not saying that all those is boring as Randy Orton, but you get my point. I want to see evidence at this point 
that Wardlow, and I've kind of seen it. Remember the uh, lumberjack match with Jasaurus in the pandemic? Yeah. It was just so much fun. <laughs> like, he's got it in him. He absolutely has it in him, and I think it's time now. And this is probably why they've booked an opponent like Archex. It's probably not going to go four minutes. It's probably going to go about eight. Gradually ratchet it up. They know exactly what they're doing. I sometimes feel like a dickhead, because in, like, three weeks, they're going to amaze me with whatever mm-hmm. they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is why this match has been booked. A test of Wardlow. Can he, ha- can he hold them? away from the stunts and the connective tissue in between the match. This should be so much fun. This is the match that kind of should be so much fun that if it's remotely drab for even 20 seconds at a time, I'll think, ah, oh, it's not as fun as it could be. If you look at the the outsized theatre of it all, the, like the mirror man contrast, as Hanfel points mm. out, the heel energy and the baby face colossus, like this should be, everyone should use the exact same adjective. The adjective, ruled. <laughs> <laughs> The Batista comparison remains apt, I think. Uh, as soon as it, it, as soon as it b- went beyond eyeballing the belt and maybe making Triple H feel a bit more nervous, he added so much to his matches and they were so careful in how they deployed it and he was kind of amazing at how he delivered it. I still remember like one week you saw him snap off a particular, like a spine brush or something, a way that you'd never seen before and he did an extra flex. He was like, he did that for me. He's not working for Triple H anymore. He did that for me. And like, they were so good in how they sort of mm. deployed that bit by bit by bit. And yeah, this company is better at doing that sort of stuff. So I see no reason why, as a collective, they won't start doing that. And it'd be fascinating, so we all agree that Wardlow obviously wins this, of where Maxwell goes after this. He's sort of gone, all right, well, you've got to face that's this guy and this guy, and then I've uh, kind of run out of bigger and bigger guys. That's a great point, because that's the genius of MGF as an episodic character who clearly has input over his own arc. Like, you never know what is coming next week and how they can escalate the tension, but he's just so perfect at, as you said, like bringing something that you'd never thought possible. I'm going to pay off Paul White to hit him with a W. Yes! <laughs> I love it. Uh, right, let's talk about this mad 10-man then, Sige. Uh, the Young Bucks, Cole Fish, O'Reilly uh, versus the AW Youngsters, I've dubbed them here. Uh, so it's sort of the Undisputed Elite versus Varsity Blondes, Dante Martin, uh, and again, I believe, is Darius Martin down with an injury again? Yeah, well, well, don't know if it's an injury because he was quick to, without clarifying what it was, and that's absolutely fine. It's his yeah, personal yeah, yeah. business that it wasn't necessarily an injury. He's just out of commission, we'll okay. say. Well, we wish him well uh, whenever and hope to see him back soon. So Dante Martin, Varsity Blondes, Brock Anderson, and Lee Johnson. It's a vehicle to present the illusion that the undisputed elite haven't just eaten loads of losses recently. And that's all this is. Mm-hmm. It should be fun enough. Um... But then I, I don't want to single anyone out. But if you look at the amount of time that Brian Pillman Jr. has had on AEW television at the expense of a women's division, I just think, is that a really savvy use of your time? <laughs> One person from 10. I don't want to single anyone out. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It gets a lot of opportunities. And uh, I don't think he's shown me much at all. The last time I thought, you know, Brian Pillman Jr., without ever being like a proper future main eventer, has got something in him. It's like a sympathetic mid-card babyface. was against Miro, and ever since then, <laughs> I just... The presence of the Varsity Blondes, who I've lost all interest in completely, in a quote-unquote spot-fest banger, I'm thinking, well, really? Because the Blondes are in it. And I don't want to be harsh, and maybe they'll completely over-deliver, but I just... Like, Brock Anderson's very good mechanically, but... Do I want to watch very good mechanically on AEW Dynamite? Mm. Um, this should be fine. I'm slightly more optimistic about this. I, 
this, this feels to me like one of those weeks where you can't really see much in the way of development in terms of the uh, elite, undisputed elite fracturing, and then AW surprises you with something really cool. The Young Bucks never waste anything, so the match... Your formula says you like this or rule because the young books are in it versus a it's version. A big, it's a big test, like versus a version of it where they're not. Big test of my rule, but like I, I think that's where the fun is to be had more than the match itself. I don't know how much this latest elite saga is connecting with everybody, but it's the standard thing with elite saga stuff. At some point, it kind of gets you and it like sinks its teeth into you whether you whether you want to or not you kind of find yourself getting invested again and the, the other than i like the like the matching look they all had the, the little backstage stuff hasn't really been doing it for me so i think evidence of it in ring is going to work so much more mm. like the it was good when they did the three way tag at the pay-per-view where you had the first in, uh, it was bobby fish wasn't it oh i forgot it was kind of Riley. Riley. Yeah, oh, it was... i forgot like that you know you had like those those moments where <laughs> mid-match, they're so much better at telling this particular story than they are kind of like sad faces at each other backstage. Um, Adam Cole needs something to make people feel excited about him again because that snowball is starting to build and slide down the hill about him not being what he was. And it's gone from being this ludicrous, terrible faith take from odd people on Twitter to a lot of folks that are just pretty bored of his AW run. Yeah. So something like this would really address that. I think I think it's all about that to such an extent that I'm almost not considering what the like boring bitch side gets up to. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's always exciting whenever I see Dante Morton across the ring from Young Bucks. If I'm perfectly honest, yeah, the, if he spends most of the time in the ring, they should be excellent. <laughs> uh, undisputed, undisputed elite victory. You yeah, sort of belongs to that, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and Another dissension, but Christ, yeah. Uh, members of the undisputed elite, Cole and O'Reilly, of course, uh, have already qualified for the Owen Hart tournament alongside Samoa Joe. I think that's everyone I've covered so far. And the f- well, not Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly. Cole and O'Reilly, Samoa Joe, and I think that's it so far. And. I'm going to just, whoever wants to jump on this first, like a dog on hot chips. Tonight, FTR fight each other. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, I would just reiterate, I know we've got our own YouTube channel. Watch all the videos on there, of course, but go and watch The Road too because there's about an eight-minute segment of of Dax and Cash and just, it's just wonderful um, setting this whole thing up. They're going to fight each other. Not only that, but CM Punk is on commentary as well. I'll go first and I'll go quickly because I've already talked about how much I'm looking forward to this about three times on three <laughs> different podcasts. They are going to emulate the Brett Owen match, which is a total masterpiece because Brett Hart didn't really want to fight his brother. He just wanted to wrestle him until Owen was such a little cock in the match. <laughs> so brilliant as a little brother heel that a Brett Hart could not just start welling him. There's going to be, it's not going to be a move for move emulation of that, but the tone will be something similar where it gets competitive. There may be a shortcut's taken. They know their way around heel shortcuts. They are FTR. The competitive tone's going to be taken to something else by the finish. It's going to be a lovely storytelling masterclass. And um, an extra wrinkle, as we know, the philosophy to which they adhere, that they've wanted to revive, that they've built their work and lives around, which is a risk considering how unfashionable it was in the eyes of the company that they um, worked for. Cash Wheeler is an athlete. He's a specimen. He's a cardio machine. He can do 450s. He just doesn't because it's not in his character to do it. I want him to break character with some kind of high spot. Like he was doing like dickhead lucha stuff against um, the Lucha Brothers. Mm. Did this wonderful little sort of cartwheel deal in the eight man tag where Cody was doing the weight belt and back. I want Cash Wheeler to just. 
betrays code because not only will it be cool, eye spots are cool when they're done correctly, um, but it'll completely wrong foot Dax as a strategy mm. because he thinks he's working the guy he's trying to revive the style against. Let's have a proper uh, snug meat and potatoes southern style match. And nope, I'm and gonna. It's it's the thing that is buried is a stupid high spot you do for no reason, done for the perfect reason. Yes, of wrong foot and the partner. And Cash said the exact same thing on the road to where he said, you know, a lot of people have seen Dax in singles action. Not many people see me in singles action, and I'm gonna surprise a few people a bit. Basically, I've wanted this for a long time. The second that Dax got his second singles match, I was like. Do cash next. <laughs> yeah. You know, I fancy Cash Wheeler, quite frankly. <laughs> I fancy him. I think he's the most underrated wrestler on the planet. I love that he's got this opportunity. Very quickly before I hand over to Hanflux, because I know he's just as enthused to talk about this, I want Cash Wheeler to win. Now, Dax Harwood has invoked doing it for his family, yeah. which is very much babyface, code for going over. Um, but I want Cash to win. Have you heard the backstory of Cash Wheeler's life? It's borderline tragic. Mm. Like, he grew up with um, abusive step-parents and no money whatsoever, Wrestling was literally his outlet. And I know Dax holds it very firmly to his heart as well. But just something about Cash's upbringing, the fact that they've already done this, the Dax singles run, I want the Cash one to happen mm. now. And I think there's just an, an absolutely incredibly wonderful baby face in Cash Wheeler. He seems like the sweetest guy, incredible worker. Um, the backstory that you don't want to mani- like exploit, but you can tell people about it to mm. draw sympathy. I think Cash wins and I want him to win. Mm, interesting. I suppose my only concern about this Hamflet is just whether or not Punk will p- pick up on the Bret Hart references. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a, yet again, for the millionth time, what a treat of a graphic this was before CM Punk's face was slapped in it, and then it got even better. You and I spotted it, didn't we? I, th- I think it was a tweet went out, because the match got announced, and then they announced, uh, maybe a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. Punk was, was doing commentary, and it was like... You know that age-old video of the chipmunk that like turns around. Yeah, that was you when one of us said, "Oh, Punk's doing commentary." He's like, "What?" <laughs> uh, yeah, there's obviously so much to love. It's probably one of the more um, obvious nods, or the one of the nods that you can make in advance. Not in a million. I wasn't on the preview last week, but not in a million years would I have said, "You know what's going to make this Punk and Dustin Rhodes match really, really great is that they're going to watch a Goldust Bret Hart match from Raw in 1997." <laughs> that they're just going to have, they're going to have a great match because they're awesome. They're not going to like this is the week where they're telling you they're going to do the, the Bret stuff and they're going to do the Owen stuff. Obviously, it's the Owen tournament. I was thinking of the Bret Owen WrestleMania 10 match as soon as they put the pairing on for the tournament, and then I was listening to FTR on Renee Paquette's podcast. It's really worthwhile going. They're always great on that pod, but they do it together for the first time. And it's fitting because it's this week. You know, they're wrestling each other. I think they they mentioned a tiny little thing in the middle of that podcast that I think was designed for anybody listening to pick up on. They said, um, I think it was Dax that was saying, now me and Cash wrestle each other all the time and we know that we can have great matches together but we've just never been able to show other people. And the words he used were, you know, when we're sometimes training together, we'll just have uh, we'll just have a one-hour Broadway. And Brett and Owen used to go an hour on the house shows and they were apparently, you know, it's a bit brother-brother, like uh, Sean and Razor had the best ladder matches where nobody was working. But they used to go an hour because they could. They would be had an out in 1994, but Brett and Owen for an hour, like marvel at the crowd, they'll come back the next time, and it would either go to a draw or it would be like an Ironman rule where Brett would win 1-0 last, you know, last couple of minutes. I don't think it's going to go an hour, but I think we're going to get told TV time. I think it's going to be a draw. Double elimination from the tournament, both exhausted, decked by a team because they're knackered. CM Punk makes a save. Baby first turn, finally confirmed because the Pinnacle's leader, his face, his rival, has ran off some other team out of like show of butchering the blade, deck them because they want a shot at you know the Ring of Honor belt, whatever. And I punks respect 
Like he's Ooh. like the line has been like the line has firmly been drawn now that like Punk is shaking hands with the henchman of the guy that he's just had the blood feud with, and like that's that's your little that's your little Bretto in nod. That's your little. That's also a reason why CM Punk's out there. Neither of them in the tournament, and the whole the little message the takeaway is: God, these two are amazing singles wrestlers, but look how inseparable in every single way they are. That's why they're the top of the tag team mountain. I don't know. I have no idea how to order this show. You sort of alluded to it that again opens, earlier, the, like. Please don't turn over. We know you enjoyed the Big Bang Theory. Remember him? It was in WWE. <laughs> like this opens, I think. TNT title ladder match to main event. Yeah. As much as it probably should be the Philly Street fight. Women in the penultimate quarter hour. Come on, no. let's, not let's, not, let's not be dead. <laughs> women on second, I reckon. They've done that before. They have done women on second before. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, well, let us know. I'm going to go Dax just to make it interesting. I mean, we've got every every match p- uh, permutation yeah. covered. Um, let us know your thoughts ahead of Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Don't forget, you can still get his brilliant book all about AEW. Uh, Becoming Your Elite, The Rise of AEW is available on Amazon right now, and it's a fantastic read. If you're maybe booking a holiday and you want something to, to read by the pool, does it, it accompany that quite well? No. Oh. Greatly. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilmore. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Um, and make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from. Very similar podcast to this one. Went out earlier on today reviewing NXT <laughs> 2.0. And the review of Dynamite will drop into your feed tomorrow as soon as it is released. But for now, uh, this being the AW Dynamite preview, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.